Because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. May God bless you tonight. So here's what we're talking about. He's giving the imagery of a desert, parched, dry broken, arid place. And what begins to bring the beauty and the luster of the potential of that land is the fact that God said, I'm going to give you water. Now that's pretty lame, at least in our day, because how hard is it to go get water? And when I came in, I said, Pastor, where can I get some water? He said, well, you can go here, but it may not fit under this. And he gave somebody, uh, he told uh, Caleb to go put some water in, a, in the pitchers back in another place. And you guys know how easy it is to go get water. But if you were to imagine with me that there's no such thing as city water, or there's no such thing as county water, if you would just imagine for me that all you have is a cistern, hopefully... If your family was well off enough to be able to have a cistern or potentially you had to go into three or four families so that you guys together could dig a cistern and hewn out rocks so that it would hold water and then you would have to cover it over so that stuff wouldn't get it in and bacteria wouldn't grow in it and you had to take care of it. You couldn't just get water real easy or maybe you had a community well. Maybe you in the community had dug a well and you would have to go down and get water. Now you think about that for just a minute. Have you ever heard that, had that two, three o'clock in the morning call that you had to go to the bathroom, huh? Now I'm not trying to be ugly here, but you understand when you, and, and so easy to go and just hit the little, hit the little lever and all is well. But if you lived in this day and time, water was a precious thing. Now, not too far from here is a river. That's pretty easy access. And so we don't think, we just, we don't think of water very often like it's just so easy to come by. But if you were to be in where I've been in Israel, in some of those desert places, you would recognize that one of the most precious things is water. Do you realize that Wars have been fought over territory right around water. Because if you have water, you have access to refreshment. You have life there. It's usually in the desert. You can always know where the streams are because where the streams are, there's trees, there's life, there's stuff that's flourishing beside the water. And God in the Bible time here in Isaiah is helping them to understand, I'm going to visit my people and when I do it's going to be like how the places where water is where stuff has been dry and desert there's going to be something that flourishes out of that life is going to come out of something that looked like there was no life potential in it and he said that's been the life of my people but I'm going to give a water I'm going to give a water he said he didn't just say water he said I'm going to give a river I'm going to give something that flows so precious and so profoundly and it's going to touch their life and the scripture says that there they're going to come alive they're going to come alive in that water water is performs a lot of different things first water is life giving it's a life giving agent 
If you've, uh, if you've ever been really, really, really thirsty, you know you can go a long time without food, but you can't go very long without water. You can make it a while. I've done 40-day fasts before, 21-day fasts. They've been liquid only. But I ain't ever made it without water too very long. Water is a life-giving agent. Water cures dryness. Water quenches thirst. Water cleanses. Water makes glad. What, cities are built around water sources. Barges travel up and down waterways. It is a way to commute. We swim in the water. There's a whole aquatic ecosystem that lives in water. When God created something called water, He had something so beautiful that caused everything in the world to be able to thrive. And when He's using water in the Scripture, you have to understand it's extremely extremely important it's so important that when you get over in the new testament he talked about the water that he would put in you the spirit of god would be like a river a well a living water that would come up out of you and we think of well, water water that's just not real significant but if you grab a hold of the significance of water and god makes a parallel between the spirit and the water he makes a beautiful parallel, and if you'll get that, the Word of God tonight will come to life for you. So I pray that the living water of God would soak you tonight. Now, I'm not going to throw this on you. Please, please, no. I'm not going to soak you down with water tonight. But I just need you to know that water is an extremely important thing. God's intention was to be able to give water so that life would flourish so that fruitfulness would become, so that joy would happen, so that commerce would happen, so that blessing would happen, so that sorrows would flee, so that you could have everything that God intended and planted for you to have if that there was a source of water. And when you begin to see water in the scripture in different places, it's so profound. And I pray that tonight the Holy Spirit will help me to illustrate something that has to do with water. Now I got two pictures here, and I'm pretty sure Caleb didn't go back there to that to that little faucet and turn it on and I'm sure he probably went somewhere to somebody's sister and somebody's well and got this for us but 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 you understand what I'm saying uh, the the water here's I want to share with you something about water again water is it comes so plentiful in our day and hour but there are two situations that happen that have to do with water right as Jesus gets ready to die and give up his life there's two situations you find in those situations. There's two, two, two times that water comes into his presence, but they're both in basins. Tonight's message is going to be called, Choose Your Basin. Now again, you can't lose what water means. God meant water to be a cleansing agent, a life-giving agent, something that would be a blessing, something that would cure your thirst. But there's two times where water, Jesus deals with it in his life. The first one, I want you to go to John chapter 13 with me. John chapter 13. Verse number 1, 
through 17 says, Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come that his, that He should depart from the world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. Mm, that's good news right there. And the supper being ended, didn't we just have supper with God just a few minutes ago? Huh, that's what the communion was, supper with God. I tell my church when we do it in the morning, we just had breakfast with God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and being supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose up from supper and lay aside his garment, took a towel, girded himself, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he had girded. He was girded. Then he came to Simon. Simon said to him, Lord, you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now. He didn't get the new thing. He's still thinking of an old thing. The old thing was that I didn't deserve to be clean like this. He said, he said, listen, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Oh, I love Simon. He goes to the other end of the pendulum, man. He's like, oh, Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you're not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garment and sat down again, he said to them, do you not know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he uh, who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He takes this resource, this resource that man can't make. When you look at water in the Scripture, not only is it a cleansing agent, it's usually connected with divine things. Because the beauty of water is something God Himself has created. And He created it in a way that, again, it makes all things live. Things come to life because of this thing called water. If you go out and plant yourself a garden, you hope that it rains. If it doesn't, you better have an irrigation system because no fruit comes unless you have water. 
and God takes this beautiful thing called water and he's about to illustrate to his disciples the power and the beauty and the glory of the water. Now they don't see it, but you and I are going to see it tonight. It's going to come on like a light switch for you and me. Now let's go look at those disciples for a moment. Here they are, they've come to the Lord's Supper, the night with which Jesus is going to be betrayed. They've walked down the road with their sandals on, and you know that little dark streak in the middle of the road right out here that we motorcycle guys don't like to ride on when it gets a little bit wet because that streak down through there is oil streaks from somebody's Chevrolet that don't know how to run up and down the road. Yeah, it's y'all notice I drove a Ford here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That shriek going up and down the road is that thing that can get very, very scary uh, if, if, if it's got some wetness on it. You don't want to hit that thing in the middle of a curve, got a little dampness on it. It's also where gravel kind of builds up in the center and all the debris from the vehicles, all the bumpers and stuff from Dodges are laying there. But, but, but listen to me, listen to me. Back in their day, you know what was in the middle of the road? As they rode their donkeys, as they rode their animals, you got it, sister. You got it. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. When it, when it rains a little bit, that stuff gets a little bit nasty, okay? Maybe it was dry that night and it got a little bit dusty and powdery, but it didn't just disappear. It got on their feet because their feet was the closest thing to the contact to the world, the earth. Huh? The closest thing to contact. Actually, it was touching the earth, possibly a thin layer of a sandal. But it didn't get the stuff out from between their toes. It kind of gathered there. The toe jam? You understand what I'm saying? And they come in, and here Jesus is with this beautiful thing called water, and he tells them, I'm going to wash your feet. He gets a towel. And he begins to set them down in order that he may wash their feet. Because it's always the intention of God to before he does anything to clean us up. Come on somebody. It's the intention of God. But he's not just going to touch you with water so it feels wet. You got to understand that water gives life. In other words, he's giving us a literal thing that speaks of a spiritual reality. It's a spiritual reality. Yes, I'm going to wash the dirt off of you, but you're going to come to life tonight. Don't you understand? I am about to die. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to give you life. There's something substitutionary that is about to happen. There's a transition that's going to happen. The water in the in the in, in this wilderness place called the human heart, now God is about to bring you to life. So he takes the towel and he gets down into their feet and he washes. Now Peter, as you know what Peter said there in the story, Lord, if this is what happened, when you touch me with the, I need my head washed, I need it all washed. Now Peter wasn't so crazy right there. Maybe he was trying to get the revelation a little bit. Maybe he was leaning in just a little bit harder. I mean, you know, sometimes we don't lean in enough. 
We don't lean in enough for any more revelation than what, than what we've got. I believe there's, there comes a time that we need to lean in to God, lean in to what the Lord is saying a little bit. Peter, Peter, he's just like, man, do it all. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 you're missing the concept here. I'm trying to teach you something that is extremely profound. It really has nothing to do with me bathing your body. It has everything to do with me separating you from the world. It has everything for me to do to get you into another kingdom. It has everything to do with me imparting to you life. It is everything to do with me making you fruitful. So here you have, oh, there's something I want to say right here. Here you have the word touching the water. Something happens when the word and the water collide. (laughs) Oh, we can preach a while here. Something happens when the word and the water collide, always. Something happens when the word and the water collide. Collide. You remember when the word and the water collided in the arms of John the Baptist? You remember what happened? Heaven opened. And the Father began to talk. When the word and the water come together, the potential of transformation, of revelation, of impartation begins to happen when the word and the water come together. And here they are with an opportunity of the word. Who's the word? How many of you know that Jesus is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us? The word and the water is colliding now. Have you ever done a, a, a study of that scripture over in Ephesians when the Bible talks about the washing by the water of the word? It's not just washing in the word it's the word and the water coming together for the washing it's the spirit and the word coming together to work at an at an opportunity to bring you to life it's, it's the way the Spirit works. When the Spirit goes to washing, when the Spirit goes to working, there's something cleansing that's happening. There's something refreshing that's happening. There's an avenue made from it. Remember I said just a minute ago, water is a way to transport something good. It's a significance of something. There's a, there's a waterway that's coming from heaven to where you are. It's in the realm of the Spirit, but it's a water coming from heaven, the throne of God. To touch you, a waterway has opened up a canal, an avenue from heaven's resources into your life. Still illustrated in John's baptism of Jesus. The water and the word, and behold, heavens open up. And the spirit The Spirit descends. It's the constant illustration throughout the Word of God when the Spirit and the Word is working. That's why you can't be just a Spirit church and you can't just be a Word church. You gotta be a Spirit and a Word church. Oh, we like people to teach us. Oh, teach me something new. Teach me something new. Teach me something new. But then you got the other crowd that want to shout, shout, shout and don't want to learn anything. And you ain't ever going to get it until the water and the word come together and collide. So listen. Listen. He took that water. And he's, he, he's making them by the water... And the word, the illustration 
of Isaiah is coming to life. A desert place is now going to take on life. The jackals, the jackals. Do you understand the, the, the animals that are mentioned there are animals that thrive in arid places. I can take you to other scriptures to help you to understand that jackals is the equivalent of demonic spirits. Demonic spirits play in dry places. They thrive in dry places. But you have to understand the potential of the dry places is that if it just had some water in it, all of a sudden the jackals has no place to belong. That's why when you really do give your life to the Lord, that addiction has to run away. That's why when you really get serious with God, the demonic forces that had a hold on your life doesn't find that place to be pleasant to them anymore. They thrive in a different environment. They thrive in a different way. You know where they get their supply of liquid? From blood. You know what blood represents in the Bible? Life. You know where demons is taking their blood source from? You. You know what you're bleeding? You're bleeding life. But I'm telling you when the water and the word come walking into your life, when God begins to do a work in your life, when you allow God to do what he wants to do in your life, the Spirit of God then begins to pour out that water. Not only does he begin to pour out the water, he does something profound. He makes you the well. He no longer is just pouring it from heaven. He said, I'm going to make you the well. And what's going to flow out of your innermost being? What's going to flow out of your belly? Is living. Why did he say living water? Just because water stands up and says, Woo, I'm alive? No, because water says, I am a source that brings things to life. I am a source that brings things to life. Water brings fruitfulness, water brings joy, brings fulfillment. Water is a powerful thing. It's illustrated throughout the Word of God. You know what he says in Joel? He's going to bring you the former rain and the latter rain all in the same month. Well, I tell you that right now in this climate, and it's like, yoo-hoo. But if I were to tell you that, a few years back, I was invited to preach at a church. I may have told this here before. I was invited to preach at a church right outside of Lima, Peru. If you know anything about Peru, the desert at, in Peru, even though it is on the Pacific Ocean, is literally the driest desert on earth. It's the driest desert on earth. When cars go up and down the road, it is an absolute dust bomb. You have to have your headlights on in the middle of the day to tell if there's another car coming your way. It's terrible. It is awful. I, preach, I was preaching. And I was preaching about something totally different. Something about the sound of rain, the abundance of rain. Maybe it was on that topic. But coming out of my mouth was these words. If you'll go all in for God, tomorrow by this time, there'll be rain. Now what I was talking about was spiritual rain. 
literally, I was talking. I mean, you know, you have one of them moments. Ah, tomorrow by this time, bless God, the rain of God's going to hit this place. It's going to rain. Next night, I'm preaching. And about the same time in the service, people come running through the back door. Now, you have to understand, they roll up the walls. Like people are all out in the streets. It's a crazy thing. But they come running. I couldn't see out there. They come running. Pastor, pastor, pastor. Like what? You're interrupting me here. I'm preaching. (laughs) Come, come, come. I took a video. Because the typical rain in that area is nothing more than a mist like dew. But literally there are drops of rain hitting the concrete this big around. I video it. See, here, if I say God is raining down, you're going to say praise the Lord. But there, when they saw the rain, they interrupted the service. Pastor, 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 come and see, come and see. Because a praise came from a resource they needed. The rain is, see, when you live in an arid place, rain is important. When Jesus, when the word and the water collided that night, he done something that instituted something so profound that he said, if you don't learn this, you'll never have any part with me. If you don't learn the understanding of the flow of the water, heaven's water, to a hurting humanity, you'll miss this. A few hours later, there's another basin. I want you to follow me in the scriptures. Matthew 27. While he was sitting in the judgment seat, his wife, we're talking about Pilate here, His wife sent to him saying, Have nothing to do with this just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. So now Jesus is about to be crucified. Pilate has a chance to let him go. His wife is getting some warnings from heaven. Dreams are coming to her. Please don't have anything to do with this just man. But watch what happens. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and to destroy Jesus. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather the tumult was rising, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See to it. When you don't understand the revelation of what water does and is for, it's very easy to misuse it. Now y'all need to hold on with me a little bit and I'm not mad. You don't need to think that I am, but I'm going to come a little hard for a couple of minutes. Is that okay? If we don't understand what the Word and the Spirit is for, we will have ourselves good church and make no difference at all. 
You know what Pilate was saying with his water? He used it as a sign of separation of responsibility. It was a sign. It was a sign. He didn't have dirty hands for the sake of grabbing of hold of something dirty. He wanted to separate himself from the responsibility. He wanted to separate himself from the responsibility of handling the word correctly and handling the water correctly. Remember the beauty is the collision of the water and the word. And he has the water and the word and he wants to use the water as a means of separation instead of responsibility. Do you know how we do that in church today? We get inside of the building of a church. We have ourselves a good time. It's wonderful. It's glorious. And the power of God falls. But you remember Jesus said, you got to do what I've done. This is how the water and the word collide for the responsibility of fruit and bringing transformation. But here... Pilate's not using it for transformation. He's using it for separation of responsibility. Churches more and more are alleviating themselves from the responsibility of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. It's like the, you got a crack addict two blocks away, but what's that to me? It's not my life. It's not my life. He made his own decisions. He made his own choices. He made his own way. He done it himself. He done it to himself. What's that to me? Why should I be bothered with it? Why should my life be interrupted with it? Because what I really want is to go to church, feel real spiritual, have myself a shouting good time, and then leave me alone. Don't ask me to preach to nobody. Don't ask me to witness to nobody. Don't ask me to serve. Don't ask me to give. Don't ask me to pour my life out. Just it's. I just want my stuff the way I want it. So I'm okay with the water as long as I can use it for an excuse to sin. Separate me from the responsibility. He takes that basin of water right in front of everybody. It was a sign to them to say, I'm going to wash my hands of this situation. You do what you want to. You do what you want to with Jesus. <laughs> oh, good God, help me. Do what you want to with him. You, you, the misuse. How many times do we come to church and we just bathe ourselves real good in the Holy Ghost? It's good worship. Nothing wrong with good worship. You ought to get into that water. Come on, somebody. You ought to get all the way in. You ought to, be, you ought to leave here every week drenched in the Holy Ghost. Y'all leave every week drenched with God's goodness. But don't ever forget why you got drenched. Don't ever forget that that was the, re the whole thing about it was to bring you to life. So that you could produce fruit.
You ever know that scripture says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good? How do you taste him? Unless you have some fruit of him. I know what the fruit is. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And the fruit of the Spirit is connected to the water. You know, you know, Psalm 1 talks about the tree planted by the rivers of living water who gives its fruit in its season and leaves do not wither. Good God. Isn't the Word of God amazing, man? It's the fact that a, a tree is connected to a water source that constantly gives fruit. And the fruit is to make sure that others can taste the goodness of God. What is it to me? I've got enough life. I've got enough responsibility. And after all, you know that water felt pretty good on his hands. He felt pretty good by distancing himself from it. I'm sure he kind of walked away from that day thinking, shoo, I got out of that one. I got it out of that. I got out of that one. But you understand that. Out of all of the things that could have been recorded that day in your Bible for you and me to read, this instance is recorded so that you and I could read it and recognize something. That instead of allowing the word and the water to come together for, the, for, for a purpose that could have brought life, he decided that he would betray the Son of God. Now, how, many know, how many know God still has a plan even though sometimes people might betray him? Huh? Come on, somebody. How many of you know God still had a plan? Because Pilate wasn't going to be able to hold this down. Pilate wasn't going to be able to hold this back. What's the point of you trying to make to us tonight, Pastor? I'm trying to say this to you. Let me give you a couple of things. There are people in this world that will sell Jesus out. Obviously, Judas did it. Pilate is the one that said, I don't want anything to do with him. There are people in this world who don't want anything to do with our Jesus, and I understand, because they don't understand how good he is. But I'm here to tell you that there, if, if you get the revelation of the importance of the Spirit and the water so that the water and the Spirit collide for the purposes that God has planted this church here, I come by to tell somebody tonight, and I came by to tell this church tonight, that you're here to be a place where the water and the Word flow freely, and you are to be a light into this community. You're to be the salt into this community. Don't ever forget your purpose. Don't ever forget why God planted you here. Don't ever forget that he's given you a heart for the community. Don't ever forget the pushed down, the chastised, the rejected, the hurting, the despondent. You've got a water source that flows through you that will bring the deadest soul to life. It will put, it'll run off every deep dark demon. I believe that God's spirit inside of a church that understands the power of the water and the word that there is no city so bound. There is no broken place so broken. There is no sin so dark. There is no place so destitute that the power of the word and the power of the water can't bring to life again if you'll be a church of the word, if you'll be a church of the water, if you'll not lose your purpose, if you won't just start doing like all the cute churches does, just setting up a building and having service after service. No, if you'll not forget that you came in here tonight not just to commemorate the fact that your Jesus died for you, but you came in to be touched by the word and touched by the water so that somebody, by the time you gather again, gets the, the source that they have needed in their life.
Remember we, we used to sing years ago. I feel the rain. I feel the rain. And it's falling down on me. I feel the rain. I feel the rain. And it's falling down on me. The former and the latter rain together. And I ain't talking about the weather. It's the Holy Ghost rain and it's way down on me. Y'all remember that? Because people understood if there could be just a torrential rain of the Holy Spirit, things might come to life in here. Things might come to life. Now, what do we mean when things come to life? Is it just that we have lively church with lively music? Or does it mean that everywhere we go, there's a river? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. Yeah, y'all remember that song? The river of God. Remember the song that came out in Integrity Music years ago? The river of God is teeming with life. All who touch it will be revived. Yes, some of y'all remember the old vineyard stuff maybe. I don't know. If you do, don't tell nobody. You're telling everybody how old you are. The river of God. It's the, it's the imagery of God's water that if it touches a life, they come to life and they become a life source for the traveler. They become the life source for the traveler. I want to get real serious right now. I had a man come into our church. He, Mari Davis, some of y'all may not know him. He's become a consultant and a coach and a dear friend to me. I actually text him on the way down here. Don't tell nobody I text and drove. I actually didn't speak text with my truck. I said, more pray for me. I want to go minister. And I want God to move. Mari built one of the largest churches by the Holy Spirit's help in Nashville, Tennessee. God used him. He uses his life tremendously and he's started to make an investment in my own life. And I'm so thankful for him. He's kind of like an apostolic authority in my life. He came to my church not too long ago. He done something that shocked me. He looked over our congregation. He said, I want you to raise your hand when I ask these questions. First question I want to ask you, how many of you love God? Boy, hands went up all over this building. I was like, yeah, these people love God. That's what I'm talking about. That's the church I pastor. How many people love people? Bunch of hands went up. I was like, yeah, they love people. Put your hands down. How many of you brought somebody with you today so that they could taste this? And very few hands went up. That staggered me. I got convicted. I got convicted. I didn't know how to handle that. 
I'm glad he moved on because I was going to have to take his, his honorarium away from him and send him on down the road. Not really. I wasn't going to do that to him. Because how many of you know you need some people in your life to shock you into reality? Somebody to help you to understand, look, man, you're not here just spinning your wheels. You're not here to just have good church, count heads, receive an offering. You're here to make a difference in the world. Don't you dare go through this world, this life, without making a difference in the life of people. You've got a water source that's in you. It's a well of living water. There's too much dry and parched land out there that you're made to impart water in them. God's planted too much word and too much water into you to not get a return on his investment. The whole idea of the parable of the talents is God saying, I need a return on my investment. I have put everything in you that has the source, has the source to bring life. You're not here just spinning wheels. You're not here just being good Christian people. If I've got a place called heaven and streets made of gold and a place with your name on it, you know the only reason I'm leaving you in a hurt, broken world because you're a well into that dirt, that hurt and broken place. And I didn't leave. I've got a, I could take you on today. You would never cry again. You would ever, never have any bit of pain ever again. You would never suffer heartache. You would never suffer heartbreak. But I'm going to leave you there with the hopes that you could make the word and the water collide for somebody else man I was shaken I was shaken we had a session not long after that and I said Mari brother I need you to help me some people look at covenant and say man that's a great church and it is it is. We've seen a lot of things in these 20 years. We've grown so much. Do you know, since this 100 days of glory, covenant has increased 50%. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. But 50% is 50%. There's still thousands in my community. That's undone without God. And I don't want to say I'm not thankful for the people that have come in. Because I am. I'm so elated. But there's too many people in our community still yet. That need a well. And need some water. And you know what I got to be? I got to be Jesus. I can't be Pilate. I got to look at some people and say, I know your life is jacked up. And I know you've been through crazy. And I know you got a little stank on your feet. But come here. Come here. Because there's just enough water right here to take good care of you, my friend. Come right here and let us love on you and let us take what God has resourced us with to wash that right off of you. Churches are losing our identity. We, we think we're just here to play politics with Washington. That's just what the devil wants us to do. Wants us to play the political game. Wants us to say, I'm Republican. I'm Democrat. I'm telling you, he wants you to say, I'm a Christian and I'm a whale. I am a whale. I am a whale. I am a whale. It's springing up into me. I'm and you know what? Listen, 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 listen. There's a story in the Old Testament. You know what happened in the Old Testament? When wars were fought, do you know how people began to bring control on communities? They stopped up the wells. Simply they filled them in with dirt. Stopped up the wells because they knew if they stopped the water source, the people would die. 
if they didn't get it. If you've ever been to Israel, and I've been on the top of Masada, is the craziest place I've ever seen in my life. It was the place for the last refuge before the Romans came and fully overthrew the nation of Israel. It's a thousand feet straight up. I, I rode one of those cars. I wasn't climbing that many steps. Dear God. I mean, it was steps. Looked like it'd take me a week to get to the top of that thing. I'm like, put me on this car and let's ride up on the top. But as I was going up, I noticed in the rock formation something like a zigzag. At first, I thought it was more steps, but it wasn't steps. You know what it was? It was an aqueduct. It was an aqueduct. Bro, that blew my mind because here was the deal. The Romans thought if that they could get these people to the top of this mountain, they'd just wait them out and they'd die. But they dug an aqueduct system that the water, listen, would run from a spring a thousand foot down. Look like it's straight up. But they done it in such a way that the water, almost like it runs uphill. Because when you're thirsty enough, when you're thirsty enough, <laughs> when you're thirsty enough, you'll get to the water. Do you know, they were able to take refuge up there for three years. You know what the Romans had to do? They had to take and bring buggies of dirt between two hills to build a rampart to get up to them to eventually overthrow them. Thus fulfilling the reality that Israel would be a desolate wasteland for a period of time. In fact, it says until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Do you understand what you have in you? Do you recognize what you have in you? You have the water and the word that collides inside of you. You want to know why you can pray and heaven will open up for you? Because it's God's pattern. The water and the word will bring it to pass. I'm telling you. I want you to stand with me. This message is called Choose Your Basin. Both of them had water. Both of them had the divine resource of God. One of them misused it. And one of them used it properly. One of them used it as a sign. The other one used it for its purpose. One of them made a statement. The other one made a statement. This church is making a statement. Just what statement you going to make? Your ministry, your life is making a statement. What statement is it making? Y'all know this is obviously the night we commemorate. We call it Good Friday. Good Friday. 
I heard it earlier, fulfilling the Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we're healed. The whole fulfillment and the culmination of the fact that Jesus died on the cross was to make sure that what was relied on was not just the water this cool stuff we have but so that you and I would understand the revelation of the spirit and you remember what he said in those scriptures he said behold I do a new thing shall you not know it I'm doing something new shall you not know it I'm going to make the wilderness a habitation. I'm going to bring fruit into a dry and arid place. He's talking about you, friend. He's talking about me. He's talking about us. The heart of the Lord is to plant His people into broken places because we got a revelation of the power of the water and the Word. And just so we don't forget it, you know what he told us to do? Crazy thing. He told us to do this crazy thing that we're supposed to do when we get saved. You know what it is? Get baptized. So that you could respond to the word and never forget the water. Because after all, what does the water matter now? You're clean. You took a bath before you came to church. What does the water matter? We call it symbolic. Yes, I know it's symbolic of a grave of Jesus dying and raising to get a, a, to life again. And I know it's for us to remember that we were once dead in trespasses and sins and we go into the, the water like in a grave and come back out and raise up into a new life. But that's just part of the revelation. It's just part of the revelation. Oh, dear God, if we could get the depth of the Word of God. I'm telling you, I know what we're going to do forever throughout eternity. We're going to get the revelation of the Word of God. And it's going to blow your mind on how much we actually missed. When we thought all of the theologians were so smart. When they just we thought they had all of the answers. Friend, I'm telling you right now, you could sit down with John 3.16 and live right there for the rest of your life. And the Holy Ghost will bring such revelation to you that it'll... Every time you read it, you're like, oh, oh my goodness, I never saw this before. 